And thank you. Open your Bibles again to our text passage of 1 Corinthians 15. And verse number 58 is our text verse. And uh, that very last line, I want you to mark your place as we'll look at these verses again. But I want you to uh, notice the last line of verse number 58 where the Bible says, For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's what I want to preach on this morning. And I want you to uh, ask the Lord to help you uh, get what you need for your Christian life. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of being in church this morning. And I pray, Lord, that this truth would be what we need to encourage us and to challenge us to continue in the work that you've called us to do individually and collectively as a church. And then, Lord, our visitors who are here with us today, I pray that you would bless them and help them, Lord, to receive what they need from the message, Lord, that would encourage them in their service for you. Bless in power and presence, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a very powerful chapter, and we could stay here in this chapter a long time studying it uh, verse by verse, but it is a great, great chapter of victory for the child of God. And it tells us because Christ overcame death, hell, and the grave, because Christ arose from the grave, you and I one day will raise from the grave. In fact, the Bible tells us, and the focus is not on this life, but the focus is on eternity. It could be, as Paul states in this chapter, that we would not even die. And that's a good thought because uh, living is expensive. And I don't know if you've checked the price of a funeral, but uh, dying's out of the question anymore. And, uh, but it could be that, as Paul states here, that we wouldn't die, but that we would go to heaven uh, by way of the rapture of the saints. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? This would be a beautiful day for the Lord to come again, wouldn't it? And that's what Paul's talking about in this chapter. And Paul reminds us that we are children of God. Don't miss this statement. And you and I are supposed to live for eternity's sake. We're supposed to live our lives where there is an eternal value attached to what we do and how we live. Let me say it again. Don't miss it. If you miss it, the sermon won't make any sense to you. We're supposed to live our lives not just for the cares of this life. We're supposed to live our lives with some investment made for eternity's sake. While we're here on this earth, we not only have received Christ as Savior, but we want to invest our life, our behavior in a way that others can come to know Christ as Savior. There needs to be some eternal value in our living Life is more than getting a paycheck on Friday. Life is more uh, than buying groceries. Life is more, as Jesus said, it's more than uh, the clothes that we wear and the food that we eat. But so often we live life with just this life in view. And may church today help us to understand that we don't live for just this life. There is an eternal life to come. Are you with me this morning? We're going to live in heaven for all eternity. There'll be no sickness, no sadness, no sorrow. There'll be no separation in heaven. And we're supposed to live with our affections set on things above. Now, when we forget those things and we live for just this life, we often get discouraged. And some may say, 
life's not worth living. I don't see any hope in government. I don't see any hope in our uh, nation going in the right direction. You see so many things that are discouraging, and you say life is not much worth living. And so Paul helps us to understand not to set our affection on things of the earth, but that we have some eternal value in our vision. Don't miss it. That's what he's talking about in this passage of Scripture. When I was a young boy and I first started playing on our basketball team, uh, I enjoyed, I, I was glad just to be on the team. I mean, I was proud just to have a uniform. I, I was glad to be on the team. I was just glad to get to go to practice. And that pretty well satisfied me to get to go to practice and play. And uh, then there were those games, uh, you know, when you first started playing on the team, you was uh, uh, maybe an eighth grader on a ninth grade team and you just started playing and, and uh, uh, at the uh, end of the uh, fourth quarter when you were either, either way ahead or in our case way behind and the coach looks down at the end of the bench and says alright you five boys go in the game it really didn't matter I mean you're not going to hit a 40 point shot you know, I mean, you got three minutes to make up 40 points. The team couldn't do it up to that point, and the last five guys on the bench. For a little while, it satisfied me just to be in the game. I want to get in the book, so I fouled somebody. So at least I had a record that, you know, number 20 was in the game, and he at least committed a, a felony, not a felony, but a foul, uh, committed a foul while he was in the game. And, uh, but then after a while, that didn't satisfy me. I, I wanted to make a difference in the game. I, I wanted to make a difference, and sometimes in this life, you look around you and look at our culture. You look at the breakdown of the homes. Uh, you look at the breakdown of government. You, 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 you look at all of the alcohol, drug problem that we have in our world, and sometimes you think, boy, it's not worth it. We're not going to turn our nation around, and, 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 and it's too far uh, it's too far gone. Paul reminds us in this passage of Scripture that the labor we do for Christ is not in vain. And I'm going to preach this morning that our labor for eternity is not a wasted time. Notice it again, verse 58, Therefore, and that means all of the things that he said up to this chapter, up to this point in the chapter, he concludes that by saying, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know uh, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And make sure we qualify and understand that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Spiritual things. Sometimes our thinking has to be adjusted. I heard a preacher tell a story. I loved the story when I was a little boy. He told the story about a little boy out uh, in the field, and he, was, uh, he, he wanted to play baseball, but he by himself, and I used to do this. He took the ball, you know. He's going to throw it up in the air and hit it. And uh, he, he got up to the plate, you know, and he was the only one out there, and, and he got his hat on right, you know, and he got his bat on his shoulder, and he took the ball, and he threw it up in the air, and he swung, and he missed it. And uh, ah, shucks, he said, dirty, rotten, picker, packer, slatter, rip. Did you interpret that right over there, Brother Harris? <laughs> Strike one, he said. Boy, he stomped his foot. I don't know what he said. He did stomp his foot right. I don't know what he said over there. He picked that ball up again. And I mean, he focused on that ball. He got that bad. He got down, you know, like this, and he... 
threw the ball up in there and he swung and he missed again. And he said, dirty rotten pickerbacker, let her rip. And uh, he, he, was, he was so mad. He only, had one, he only had one pitch to go, so he, so he takes the ball and, I mean, really concentrates. And, and, and he takes the ball and he, and, he, and he watches it and he throws it up in there and he keeps his eye on the ball. And he swung and he missed again. He laid his bat down, squared his shoulder back, straightened his hat up, and he said, my, what a pitcher. <laughs> you see, sometimes we have to have the right perspective in life. Sometimes we live life for this life, and we say life is not worth living. Paul said, yes, it is. He said, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I want to give you three things from this passage of Scripture that would encourage us to keep on keeping on in the work that we do for the Lord. I want to say this morning, we must keep witnessing and sharing the gospel. We must keep letting our light shine. We have to keep driving our buses and picking up children and bringing them to Sunday school and church. We have to continue to run every program, no matter how difficult it may be and how expensive it may be or whatever time it takes, there is an investment that must be made in the next generation for Christ, for spiritual things. I want to say, first of all, we are people of hope or we are people of victory. I love the word hope, and I'm not going to change and preach just on that word, but we are people of hope. I want you to notice, uh, there are three things in this I want you to notice. First of all, we're people of hope because we've been delivered from our sin by the grace of God. Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Notice in verse number 1. Notice 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Look at verse number 10. By the grace of God I am what I am, <clears throat> and His grace which was bestowed upon me, here's that phrase again, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. I want to say this morning, church, we are a people of hope. First of all, we are a people of hope because we've been delivered from our sin. We've been, been delivered from the bondage of our sin. We've been delivered by the good grace of God. God gave us what we didn't deserve. Heaven is my home. I'm not going to heaven because of who I am or what I've accomplished. I'm going to heaven because of who He is. His love for me he died on the cross to pay for my sin. I accepted His payment for my sin and I am a person of hope because I've been delivered by His grace. Second of all, not only am I delivered by His grace, I am destined for glory. Heaven is my home. I want you to look at this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want you to go with me to verse number 49. Verse number 49, the Bible says, And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. <laughs> That's a theme of our nurseries right there. Let me get back to the message. Verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, 
For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, reference to the Old Testament, death is swallowed up in victory. I want you to notice here we are destined for glory. While I have been saved by grace through faith, heaven is now my home, and hell, death, sin, and the devil, they have no more hold on me. If it be that I live, or I'm sorry, that I die before he returns, my body will be placed in a grave, and my body will begin to turn to dust. It is corruptible. It is mortal. Ah, but when the trumpet of God sounds, I'll be raised incorruptible. Now, you understand God made us from the dust of the earth to begin with, so he'll make us again, but we won't be a fallen creature creature, a sinful creature, we'll have a body like Christ, we'll have the glory of Christ, and we'll be raised incorruptible, and we will be raised immortal. I'm saying this morning, we are people of hope, we are people of victory, we can't go through this life discouraged and depressed, we have to look at this life through the, through the lenses of the Word of God, and he says, therefore, my beloved brethren... And he ends the verse by saying, we labor not in vain. We don't labor in vain because we are people of hope. Second of all, I want to say, we possess the power of hope. We possess the power of hope. The word, therefore, in verse number 58, draws our mind back to all that Paul has said in these verses the hope we possess. Now what is that hope? You see, when I was born again, when you were born again, the Holy Spirit of God came inside us to live. And the Holy Spirit is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He being the firstborn, and He being the, I'm sorry, not the firstborn, but the firstfruits, we will follow like Him because we possess within us the power of hope or we possess within us the power of the resurrection. Now being saved, being sure, being secure does not mean that we can just sit back and rest in what we have and wait for death or the rapture, but it means that we ought to tell somebody else that you too can be set free from the bondage of sin and you too can be filled with the power of life, the power of the Holy Spirit, you too can be born again. And friend, that is the purpose of the church. I fear we get so far away from the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to let folks know Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the Savior of our soul. He's the one that forgives us of our sin. We are people of hope because we possess the power of hope. 
We have that hope within us. Knowing the truth about God and salvation is a powerful motivator for service. Look at the verses again. He says in verse number 57, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let me give you three things about this power of hope. First of all, hope causes us to be stable. Stable. You know, we live in an unstable world. Mentally, emotionally, we don't have to live like that. My hope is not in the people or the programs of the world. My hope is in Christ. My hope is in Him. He changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hope causes us to be stable. Notice that word, be ye steadfast. The word steadfast means to be seated. It means to be settled. It means to be firmly situated. Second, hope counsels us to be stubborn. Look at the word. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. And then he says, unmovable unmovable hope what hope the hope I have in Christ uh, you may one day come to my funeral and uh, say uh, well uh, he was a, a good man a good preacher and, and I wish we could see him again you don't have to worry about that if you're saved you'll see me again because I have that hope of Christ. Heaven is my home. What a wonderful thing it is to stand at a funeral and say our sorrow is real, but it's only temporary. Just a few days ago, our dear brother, brother Larry Roberts, his body was here, but our hope of Christ, we understand, that was just the body, the shell that he lived in. He is in heaven, and one day he'll have a new body. That's the hope we have, and it helps us to be steadfast. It counsels us to be stubborn or unmovable. And then third of all, hope challenges us to be strong. Notice the words again, therefore my beloved brethren be as steadfast, unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord. Abounding has the idea of exceeding a fixed amount. Overflow exceeding. Uh, folks say to me often, preacher Boy, we're a busy church, and, 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 and you're busy. And, and you know why? Because that's what I'm supposed to do. We're supposed to abound in work. We don't sit around and wait for Sunday to come. We, we don't sit around and wait for games, wait for Sunday, uh, play games, wait for Sunday to come. There is work to do for Christ. I mean, there are people to, uh, to invite to church that are not in church, as Brother Rogers prayed. Uh, there are many in our culture today. It, it was different in the 50s and 60s and 70s. There are folks that they don't, even, they don't even think about church today. There's a work to do. We're supposed to abound in the work of God. We're supposed to care about others. We're supposed to care about those that we work with, those that live around us. We're supposed to care about those that are in even foreign countries that we don't know anything about. I'm thankful for young men and young ladies that have grown up in our church that are now serving on a foreign mission field. You know why? They have the hope of Christ within them and it motivates them to abound in the work of God. I'm thankful for those that will work on a bus route today and drive buses and it'll be 90 degrees outside and 190 inside the bus and, uh, unless it's going fast. And, and, and it's difficult work, but we abound in that work. Why? Because we have the hope of Christ in us. You see, if you die in your sin, 
Life is over here and hell awaits for all eternity. The hope of Christ motivates us to serve God. I was preaching this week. I preached Tuesday night in Brownstown, Michigan, not far from Detroit, just, just, just a few miles. And a man came to church that I had had communication with and I knew about his ministry. His name is Kyle Joe Hicks. And he works on the streets of Detroit to get the gospel out. And it's sad to see what goes on in some of the downtown areas of Detroit. And he's, he's that kind of person. He's very bold and I, I love him and I'm, I'm thankful for what he does. But he's in areas that would probably feel dangerous for us to be. But he's there for one reason. He has a hope of Christ in him. And there are those there that have no hope at all. They're in the darkness and blackness of sin. And they're going to live and die and go to hell unless somebody tells them about Christ. And he's there every day. And, and, and he gives out food and he gives out clothes. But he said, I only use that as an opportunity to tell them the most important thing. And that is Christ loves them and they must trust him to have eternal life in Christ. A preacher friend of mine, I want to introduce you to him sometime next year. His name is Burton, Burton Gates, Pastor Burton Gates. God's called him to one of the most difficult fields in all of America. He's not just in Philadelphia. He is in the most drug-infested parts of Philadelphia. As you heard me say a few weeks ago, Philadelphia is dealing with what they call the zombie drug. It is used by... Uh, by veterinarians to, uh, to treat horses. They give them this tranquilizer while they are working on them and, and doing uh, medical procedures on them. And, and, and somehow or another, this has made its way to the street. And I, 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 saw, I saw a video, and I saw a video this past week from Brother Burton Gates, and he said there are folks that, that literally, he said, you, you, it, it looks like a war zone. It looks like they're filming a movie for zombies or a walking dead. And he said, I don't know how many times I've seen folks dying. And he said, I've got on my knees and I've held them. Think about this. He said, I've whispered in their ear, God loves you. God loves you. Jesus died on the cross that you could have eternal life. Call on Christ. Call on Christ. He said, I do not know how many times I've held someone 18, 20, 22 years old that in a few moments went out into eternity and perhaps the only hope they ever heard was my whispering in their ear, God loves you. May I say today, church, the hope that we have in us ought to motivate us to tell somebody else about Christ. That hope challenges us to be strong. Sometimes we come to church just to help us in our lives and in our business and in our marriage and in our families. Those are good things because the Bible does help us with those things. It does help to strengthen our marriage. It does help us in rearing our children. But now and again, we have to understand, we're not here just to live our life. God didn't save us and bring us to heaven. He saved us and left us here in the hope, the power of Christ that He's put within us. We have to care about somebody else. 
the power that we possess within us. Last of all, I want to say there's a promise of this hope. If in this life, if this life is all there is, in fact, let me show you how Paul said it. Look at verse 13, this same chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, notice verse 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of Christ because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we, have all, we are of all men most miserable. But look at verse 20. Mark it. Put a note beside it. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that sleep. Praise God, we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He's living whatever men may say. I know He's living in my heart. I know He's alive. And one day because of Christ raising from the grave, I'm going to raise from the grave. Our loved ones, are, they're going to, their bodies are going to be raised to incorruptible and they'll live in heaven for all eternity. And so Paul says this, knowing that we don't live for this life, we live for this life and the life to come. Therefore, be as steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. My father-in-law, my wife's dad, was a state policeman for 30-plus years. His name was Charles Cornett. I believe he retired. Not retired. I believe he uh, came out, uh, graduated in 1966 from the State Police Academy. He served his last quite a few years in um, uh, drug task force and specifically marijuana eradication. And uh, they, would, they would find marijuana and destroy it. It was illegal back when our politicians had enough sense to know that. Not that I'd give you my opinion. But um, I, I heard a man say to him, he said, Charlie, you never will, you won't ever get rid of the marijuana in our state. Why do you, why do you fly in those helicopters and why do you put your life in danger and cut down marijuana. Why do you do that kind of work? He said this. I'll never forget it. He said, no, I won't ever get rid of all of the marijuana in our state. And I won't stop them from selling it. I won't stop them from buying it. But I will keep it out of the hands of a few children. I will keep it out of the hands of a few. And whoever I help to save, those lives are worth it. That's a pretty good answer. You know what Paul's saying? I might not get everybody saved. I want everybody to hear the gospel. But my labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
I'm going to give all I can to reach everybody I can for the cause of Christ. I've told you this story before. Brother Rogers and I were visiting at, a hosp at the hospital, and I don't remember which one it was. Brother Rogers told me, he said, there's a pre preacher, he said, there's a man in this room across the hall. He said, I, I want to go see him one more time. He's dying. And, and, he, and he won't get saved. I've witnessed to him. He won't trust Christ as Savior. He said, would you go with me? And before we go, would you pray with me that this man will get saved? And so we prayed outside his room. And I'll never forget when we went in the room, he not only was on oxygen, they had two or three fans in the room and he was gasping for breath. He was still very conscious. In fact, I, I told him who I was. I said, I'm Pastor Fugit. I wanted to come to see you and tell you about the Lord. And he was gasping for breath. He told me what his name was. I told him, I said, sir, you need to receive Christ as your Savior today. And he said, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'll never in life forget what Brother Rogers did. Brother Rogers walked around me. And he got beside the bed of that man. He got on his knees. And by the time his knee hit the floor, there were tears coming down his face. He got a hold of that man by the hand. And he said, sir, if you don't trust Christ, you're going to open your eyes in hell soon. And Jesus didn't die for you to die and go to hell. He died for you to pay for your sin that you can go to heaven. And all the time he was telling him that. Tears was coming down his face. He said, would you please trust Christ? And I'll never forget that man. The Holy Spirit of God broke his heart and he said, yes, I will. And I watched and I listened as that man said, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin and come into my heart and save me. Take me to heaven when I die. In less than 72 hours, that man was in heaven. He would have been in hell. But somebody decided that my labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I want to say to you today, don't give up on life. Just change your perspective. You may not be a good batter, but you may be a great pitcher. Don't live for this life. Live for eternity.